All right, so my timer is set. Uh, it's coordinated with my, my wife's turkey. No, just uh, timer is set here, so we'll make sure we do this well. Um, either this timer is going to run the whole way down or my phone's going to run out of juice. I've got about 4%. Either way, you should make it uh, back uh, for your Thanksgiving turkey. I invite you to turn in your Bibles to Acts chapter 17. Uh, this will not be, of course, a full sermon Uh, But what I would like to do is read a few texts and comment upon them as we consider um, offering thanksgiving up to God in prayer. I would like to read a portion of scripture in Acts chapter 17. Uh, This passage at the beginning of the chapter narrates the time that Paul was a part of planting the church in the city of Thessalonica. In Acts 17 verse 1 it says, Now when they had passed through Amphipolis and Apollonia, they came to Thessalonica, where there was a synagogue of the Jews. And Paul went in as was his custom, and and on three Sabbath days he reasoned with them from the scriptures, verse 3, explaining and proving that it was necessary for the Christ to suffer and to rise from the dead, and saying, this Jesus whom I proclaim to you is the Christ. And some of them were persuaded and joined Paul and Silas, as did many of the devout Greeks, and not a few of the leading women. But the Jews were jealous, and taking some wicked men of the rabble, they formed a mob, set the city in an uproar, and attacked the house of Jason, seeking to bring them out of the crowd. And when they could not find them, they dragged Jason and some of the brothers before the city authorities, shouting, These men who have turned the world upside down have come here also. And Jason has received them, and they're all acting against the decrees of Caesar, saying that there is another king, Jesus. And the people in the city authorities were disturbed, and when they heard these things, when they had taken money as security from Jason and the rest, they let them go. Beginning of Acts chapter 17, you have the church plant visit of Paul the Apostle. It's interesting to me that in the very next chapter, you've got an account of his church plant visit to the city of Corinth. So Acts 17, Thessalonica, Acts 18, Corinth. What I've noticed in studying and preaching on both of Paul's interaction with the Thessalonians and with the Corinthians is that there are many similarities in the way he treated these people. Some of the similarities include the fact that Paul decides to plant a church in both the city of Thessalonica and the city of uh, Corinth. Uh, These churches are planted in the midst of a a very important city. Uh, Thessalonica is the leading or capital city of Macedonia in northern Greece, and Corinth is the leading or capital city in Achaia, in southern Greece. They're also both port cities, and they have major roads running through them. Uh, Other similarities include the fact that if you compare Acts 17 and 18, which we won't do for sake of time, but if you compare them, you'll see that Paul starts by going to a Jewish synagogue, and he has moderate success in the synagogue before the Jews, ultimately, many of them reject him, and he leaves, and he goes and ministers uh, to Gentile people. In both cities, in Acts 17 and 18, there is an uproar. There's a legal challenge, and Paul is asked to leave promptly at the end of his visit. And um, 
After Paul's interaction on the church plant, in both of these cities, Paul decides to write two inspired letters uh, back to the churches. There are many similarities between Paul's interaction with the Corinthians and the Thessalonians. There are a few differences, though, too, that I would like to draw your attention to. For instance, during Paul's church plant visit in Thessalonica that we just read, he's only there for probably three weeks or so. He ministers in the Jewish synagogue for three Sabbath days. You see that as we read through the text? If you read in Acts 18, however, Paul's there in uh, Corinth for 18 months or so. So there's a difference in the length of time that he stays in Thessalonica and the length of time he stays in Corinth. But uh, another difference that really uh, stands out to me is that Paul finds much more wrong with the church at Corinth than he does the church at Thessalonica. And you can pick up on this in all of Paul's letters. So in 1 Corinthians alone, Paul confronts the Corinthians about being divided and fleshly and immoral and arrogant and self-confident and idolatrous and distracted and indulgent. And he ends in chapter 15 by saying that there are some who are skeptical about bodily resurrections. So Paul's got a lot to say about the Corinthians. They've got a lot of problems that he's working through. But when he deals with the Thessalonians in the Thessalonian epistles, it's for the most part positive. And although he was only there for three weeks, we can pick up his positive attitude throughout the book. So turn to 1 Thessalonians for just a moment, and I would like to read a few texts to you and show you Paul's positive attitude. One of the ways Paul's positive attitude about the Thessalonians comes out is through the fact that he is constantly thankful for this assembly. And that is manifested in the first several chapters of 1 Thessalonians. Matter of fact, some scholars, two of them that I know of, say 1 Thessalonians 1 through 3 are one big thanksgiving. One big thanksgiving. I think that there are three instances of thanksgiving we can see in this passage. Look at 1 Thessalonians 1-2. Very beginning of that verse, we give thanks to God. Look a little bit later down in chapter 2 and verse 13. And we also thank God constantly for this. Then in chapter 3 and verse 9, near the end of the first half of the epistle, he says, for what thanksgiving can we return to God for you? Okay, so Paul has a positive attitude about the Thessalonian church. Although he was only there for three weeks, he's thankful. You see that in the text? And so what I would like to do this morning in my 10 minutes or so is I would like to learn from Paul the Apostle in the thanksgiving that he gives for this assembly of believers. Perhaps you're like me on Thanksgiving Day where you can often find yourself too busy or distracted to think about the way we should be thankful. Or perhaps you're going through some sort of physical difficulty or suffering this year that makes it hard for you to, to think about what you could be thankful for. It's a very practical uh, challenge for us today. I want to look at these three texts from Paul. I'm just going to read them and make a few comments on them. And I want us to learn how we might be thankful this Thanksgiving. 
What I noticed about these three texts when I compared them is that Paul is thankful for the evidences of grace that he sees manifested in the Thessalonian community. And uh, I would encourage you this Thanksgiving to think about all of the different ways God's grace has been manifested to your family, to yourself, to your children, to your grandchildren, to your friends, and to other members in this church. First, in chapter 1, verses 2 through 4, he is thankful for their initial conversion. Verse 2 says, We give thanks to God always for you all, constantly mentioning you in our prayers, and remembering before our God and Father your work of faith and labor of love and steadfastness of hope in our Lord Jesus Christ. For we know, brothers, loved by God, that he has chosen you. I think Paul is thankful that the Thessalonian believers were converted. Um, He describes how he's thankful. He says how he goes about thanking God with a bunch of different words here that are fairly important in verses 2 and 3. He was constantly mentioning them in prayers. He's remembering them before God, and he's recognizing or knowing certain things about them. This is how he's thanking God for the Thessalonians. But one of the things that's obvious here as you read in this text is Paul is thankful for three particular things that he's seen since their conversion. Um, He's thankful for their faith, their love, and their hope. These three great Christian virtues. Okay, If you're studying throughout the New Testament, you'll see those three words combined in several very important texts. And one of the interesting things to me is that often when the authors of the New Testament combine faith, hope, and love, they put them in unique or different orders. So, for instance, in 1 Corinthians 13, where you will see that, Paul ends with love, I think, to emphasize that attribute or work of the Spirit of God in the Corinthian assembly. He's emphasizing love there. In our text, I think he's emphasizing hope. But regardless, and we don't have time to really really, uh, look at all of this, regardless, he is thankful for the faith that God has wrought in the Thessalonian assembly that has produced work for the love that inspires or produces labor or toil And for the hope that God has produced in their life that produces steadfastness or endurance. This thanksgiving, praise God for the evidences of faith, love, and hope that he has produced in your life, life of your family and friends. So today, perhaps before dinner or before bed, Sit down with your family members, your children, your grandchildren, and review with them what evidences of God's good grace he has been performing in their life. We should be thankful for that. Faith, hope, and love, and how those produce themselves. Maybe you won't be with your friends or family members this Thanksgiving, but perhaps you could write them a letter before the end of the day, a text, an email to four or five of your friends and family members and remind them or rejoice 
with them in what God has been doing and the evident supply of his goodness and grace to them. So Paul's thankful for their initial conversion. This is also seen in verse 4 when he says, I know that you've been chosen. You've been chosen by God. I think the the rest of chapter 1 kind of just rounds out how Paul knows they've been chosen by God or elected by God for salvation. I think Paul realized that the Thessalonian story began in the heart of God. Even before any of these believers were ever born, God chose them. He elected them for salvation. And Paul stops, he pauses at the beginning of this epistle. And he says, I'm thankful that it's evident to all, verse 4, that you've been chosen by God. So he's thankful for their initial conversion. Look with me at uh, chapter 2, verses 13 through 16. We'll go a little quicker through the next two. Verse 13 of chapter 2. And we also thank God constantly for this. That when you received the word of God, which you heard from us, you accepted it not as a word of men, but as what it really is, the word of God, which is at work in you believers. For you brothers became imitators of the churches of God in Christ Jesus that are in Judea. For you suffered the same things of your own countrymen as they did from the Jews, who killed both the Lord Jesus and the prophets and drove us out and displeased God and opposed all mankind by hindering us from speaking to the Gentiles that they might be saved. So as always to fill up the measure of their sins, but God's wrath has come upon them at last. In this text, very simply, Paul thanks God that the Thessalonians, when they heard the word of God proclaimed to them in that church plant visit, when Paul was there for three weeks, they heard it or received it as if it was truly the word of God. The Thessalonians did not receive the written word of God. They heard the proclaimed word of God, the preached word of God. And so Paul says, I'm thankful for how you received the proclaimed or preached word of God. And and in your reception of it, I know that God's word, God's preached word was at work in you. And that is evident by the fact that although I was only there for three weeks, God did a miraculous thing in allowing you to withstand in the midst of persecution and trial like many other believers have been called to do. And so when I look at this passage, I think of Paul's thanksgiving here. He's thankful for the early discipleship and faithfulness in the midst of persecution. He is thankful for the evidence of God's grace in the Thessalonian believers' lives, in how they received uh, blessing and endurance through the word of God. Let's go to chapter 3 and we'll hit the last one, the third Thanksgiving. Look with me at 1 Thessalonians 3, verse 6. It says, But now that Timothy has come to us from you and has brought us the good news, of your faith and love. Now, normally Paul won't use the word gospel to describe anything other than Jesus Christ. But he says, Timothy has brought me a report about you as a church, and it's a good report. It's good news about your faith and love. And it's reported that that you always remember us kindly and long to see us as we long to see you. For this reason, brothers, in all our distress and affliction, we've been comforted about you through your faith. For now we live, if you're standing fast or firm in the Lord, for what thanksgiving can we return to God for you, for all the joy that we feel for your sake? 
before our God. Paul's also thankful for their continued faithfulness in the person and work of Jesus Christ. Timothy had given him a report about the faith and love of the Thessalonian believers, and that was an encouragement to Paul. Paul was concerned that Satan might have tempted these believers in the midst of the persecution that they were suffering from some of the Jewish people in Thessalonica. He was concerned that they may have quit. But Timothy gives him a report that they're continuing on, they're still faithful, they're still followers of the way. And so Paul says, what thanksgiving can I give to God for that sort of report? The Thessalonian story from beginning to end was a tribute to God's faithfulness and God's grace. He brought them to faith in Christ and they were discipled in three short weeks. But perhaps even more impressive is the fact that despite Paul's premature departure from the city, their faith continued in the midst of much difficulty and trial. Perhaps this Thanksgiving we can rejoice and how God is sustaining some believers in our church, in our family, our friends who are going through difficult times. I'm confident that if on this Thanksgiving Day we stop and if we would consider persecuted or struggling believers that we love, and we reflect momentarily on the faithfulness that God is working in their lives, that our hearts will truly and ultimately be blessed. It's easy for me to look at all of the physical blessings that God has given to us, and he has given us so much. But perhaps this Thanksgiving, before your meal or before bed, you can take a moment and think of all of the spiritual blessings that God has wrought through the personal work of Jesus Christ for our families. Dads, perhaps you could take a moment with each one of your children uh, before you pillow your head or they pillow their head in in bed uh, tonight and say, uh, son, I'm thankful for this particular thing I've, I've observed in your life. This is a testimony to God's grace and him growing you. Or daughter, I see what God is doing and I just want to give a moment of thanksgiving and praise to him. Perhaps there are other relationships that you have. Maybe you're not a father, but you could, you could go to someone else that you love and you appreciate and you say, I can see evidences of God's grace in your life, and I want to thank God for that. Let's bow in prayer. Lord, I thank you for our time together this morning. I pray that you would use it. Thankful for the evidences of grace in my life, in the life of my family, and the, the evidences of grace I see in this church. I pray, Lord, that might be our focus today. And and as we gather around tables, even pull our head at the end of a long night, a long day, I pray, Lord, that we might be able to rejoice in your grace to us. In Jesus' name, amen. Closing scripture reading this morning will be from 1 Thessalonians. The end of the epistle, Paul writes, Now may the God of peace himself sanctify you completely, And may your whole spirit and soul and body be kept blameless at the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. He who calls you is faithful. He will surely do it. God bless you. May you enjoy a wonderful Thanksgiving together. You're dismissed.